This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. My name is Kevin. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and I am so thankful that each of you chose to join us today. Whether it's your first time here or your hundredth time here, I was just reminded as I was praying about our morning what a joy it is that we get to, to freely choose to come and gather together and encounter God. And it's just, it's my honor to be able to welcome you today. So I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm also very excited because we are in the middle of a series that I'm just loving called My Story. And to prepare for our message today, I want you to go ahead and grab out of your programs this card that says Start Here because it's our connection card and it helps us stay connected to you. It'll help you stay connected to us. Ultimately, at some point in this journey, we're trusting that you're going to want to connect with God, and this card will help us help you connect with God. So if you put your name and email address on that, we would really appreciate it, and we're going to be using that a little bit later on this morning. You can also grab your teaching notes. They've got some fill-in-the-blanks and some Bible verses we'll be looking at, and then a whole lot of space just for you to write down some thoughts, because this, this whole idea of this My Story series simply came from this. We, as a church leadership, believe that God loves you uniquely and that God is writing a story in your life, that he wants to partner with you to write an amazing story in your life. And if you're here for the first time, you might be thinking, I don't know if I'm so sure about that, but I would simply say this, the fact that you're in church today, which maybe a year ago you never thought would happen, would point to the reality that God is writing a story in your life. And so what I've asked each of our pastoral staff to do for a month is I've stepped out of preaching and I've asked each of them to come and simply share their story, some aspect of what God is doing in their life real time, because I'm trusting that when God uh, invited them to share their story, what he wants to do is he wants to inspire you and encourage you and challenge you and challenge and encourage and inspire me through their story. Because God isn't just writing a story for for our benefit, he's writing a story in each of our lives for the benefit and encouragement of everyone else. So in just a second, I'm going to invite Ron and Monica to come up and share their story. Uh, and as they do, I would simply ask you to do this. Would you just be open to God using their story to encourage and challenge and transform you? Well, I'm really excited. I'm going to invite Ron and Monica out in just a second, but they can't come yet because I want to tell you about Ron and Monica. Uh, Pastor Ron and Monica have been mentors and influencers in my life for the past 12 years, for all of my adult life. Uh, And in my mind, they are a celebrity couple. Now, couples get celebrity for all sorts of reasons. You can be really good at sports. You can have a lot of money, be a talented actor, actress. Some people get celebrity simply because their parents had celebrity and they're just famous for the sake of being famous. But in my mind, Ron and Monica are a celebrity couple because they are doing life well. They really are, not perfectly, but authentically. And I've watched them as they've mentored and taught and led me, and they really are doing life well. And so for that reason, they are my celebrity couple. And like any good celebrity couple, I think they need to have a celebrity couple name. So would you join me in welcoming to the stage, Ronica, for the first time. Ronica, to the stage. (laughs) Who hired that guy? (laughs) I always think it's um, a good thing, though, and people talk, either you're famous versus infamous. You know, it's such a tiny little word, but, you know, it's kind of nice not to be on that other side of it. <laughs> yeah, just in case you wondered, that's the Monica side. This is the Ron side. So. <laughs> there you go. We're all in, huh? Yeah, we've been looking forward to this. Um, it's kind of fun. Not everybody gets to plan their talk um, sitting in Hawaii. And that was kind of fun. So we were told to say aloha to you from Anthony and Sienna. 
A lot of you know them. They were very um, integral parts of starting the church. So no visit comes without discussing how's it going and how is everybody and people that they know. So if you know them, they really wanted you to be included in that high from them. Yeah, just one other thing, and Monica's going to fill in a little bit more of our bios. But for those of you who are brand new to New Life and have never been here before, 17 years ago we moved to Petaluma to start New Life. And it was Monica, myself, and our son Anthony And uh, so where you are today is the result of the three of us going on a great adventure with God. So there's a context for those of you who are brand new. We had fun. I don't know how many of you got to hear Jake last week, but we we podcasted him. And we weren't here, and um, he's going to be a hard act to follow. I mean, he... (laughs) He's we, just we, a we youth understand guy. He had a ba- he's what? He's just a youth oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> With a bag of tricks. Someday he'll grow up and be a pastor. <laughs> we're, and we're old and boring. <laughs> he'll be boring like us someday. Yeah. Yes. So, um, boy, we've been together 45 years, 43 married. And <laughs> who's counting? Um, but our bios go way back. I mean, you know, guys, this was really hard to dig up what to say, mainly because, you know, you've heard him through the years and, you know, tell a lot of his faith story, his walk, all those kind of things. And um, then when last year we got up and spoke together on parenting and, and our marriage kind of thing. So that told more story. So we were trying to think what part should we tell. And then the more we got to think about, there was too many stories to tell. So we're going to narrow it down to just a little slice of our life. But um, it did start with me raised, being raised in Colorado. I uh, love that state, still love that state. Um, I was in a faith-based <laughs> home and then, um, uh, no, a strong faith-based home, but um, a kind of an unstable home. And Ron was Iowa, born and raised Iowa, and um, very, very strong based, faith-based home. And his, his um, life was, instead of unstable, just the opposite of mine. His was, he called it uh, ruts and rituals. <laughs> True, I found Sorry out. Sorry if his mom's listening to I this. I found out, <laughs> she probably will. <laughs> I found out several years after we were married that the real reason she married me was not because she loved me. Oh, she mar- uh, yeah. Oh, she married me because she thought that we would always stay in Iowa and I was the stablest guy she'd ever met in her life, which is code for boring, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, and we would always stay in Iowa, and I would pastor a little church, and and there you go. That's what, that's. And as true in our marriage, half of that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you how thrilled I am to be on this stage finally. I can defend myself. <laughs> <laughs> the truth of it is, I went to Iowa because my mom had gone to one year of seminary there, and she just thought it was just the place I needed to be. Because I think all parents are a little bit afraid when they send their kids off to college, and she just so wanted me to stay a Christian, a strong Christian. She had great prayers and hopes for me. So I did go there, and if you, those of you who've been around the country a little bit know that once you leave Colorado and you move into Nebraska and Kansas and Iowa... That's a culture change, really a big culture change. And so I was, I learned to appreciate Iowa. 
I don't think I ever thought I wanted to stay there. But he was a, <laughs> he was a nice guy, and I probably would have followed him anywhere. But um, Oh, and, yeah, there you go. Well, I did end up following you anywhere. Because <laughs> all those moves were not my doing. <laughs> That's true. How we met was... Um, it was a smaller college, and classes over, overlapped, and some outside activities overlapped. And then intentionally, about nine, ten months into the first year, he intentionally came to talk to me. And uh, we, last, we talked for about four hours, and we found out a lot of stuff in four hours about each other. We both had a very conscientious heart. Uh, I really want to do right, want to make a difference, um, want to live with purpose, and the thing that was really, I think, the most eye-opening, I, I don't know that you feel that way, but we both were ready to get off the path we were placed on by parents and move to some kind of a different path. We both felt like that things that we had been taught from the Bible weren't exactly what the Bible was saying. It was a man version of it man-made version of it, and we we felt duplicit, you know, that was a duplistic theology. Yeah. I, I think I would say it in terms of we were raised with a similar theology, which tended to be a little bit, well, okay, tended to be legalistic and kept our worlds really small. Mm-hmm. And both of us discovered that God had placed within our hearts early on a desire to sort of break free from the chains that kept our world small, and we just wanted to we just wanted to live life with God, and uh, so wherever that took us, that was going to take us. And it's it's interesting. We kind of fell in love um, through that screen and through that mm-hmm. process of just respecting each other, and um, kind of just interested. I'm sure God was doing all the pushing, but um, it it was it was a neat journey. It was really a neat journey, and we've looked back on that in times that were really tough, either in the marriage or in the ministry. And you could see God's hand all over it. And those are wonderful when you can look back and go, eh, no, I'm in this place because God put me there. That's so confirming, even if your whole world's falling apart at the time. Um, in preparation for this, though, we, we did have to pick out something to center on. And what we would like to focus on is the many times that God gave us a chance to start over. And so we kind of themed it God's invitation to fresh starts in life. And they don't always come out of bad things. Many times he's led you to something and you do a wonderful job of it. And then God says, ah, look over here. And it's another opportunity. There's always a learning curve with that opportunity. But it's an opportunity for you to live, and Ron likes to say, what you really had a heart desire for, a soul desire. He's going to talk about that in a little bit later. We wanted to focus on Lamentations 3.23, where it says, Great is God's faithfulness. His mercies begin anew every morning. I personally am very thankful that God didn't ask me to move every morning because that was my big fear in life. And isn't that funny? That's a childhood narrative that was just like so important to me. And it's so neat that he didn't say, okay, in order to renew my mercy in you, you're going to have to go over here and start over again. No, I can start where I'm at all fresh because God is just doing that. It's just right, erasing the whiteboard. Okay, let's try that again today, Monica. And it's my choice to work with him on that. 
But how beautiful is that? And so we really thought that God's loving nature regularly invites people to start very fresh in life again, giving a fresh start with his mercies every day. Another verse that that came to mind is, you'll see it on the screen, Psalm 37 says, Take delight in the Lord. By the way, you just sang with your own lips, All my delight is in you, Lord. From this passage, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. One of the things that we've discovered, not only in looking into our own lives, but now some 40 years in ministry, partnering with so many people along the way, is that in every single person's heart, God puts deep desires that are rooted in his purpose for your life. And he will give you invitations to fresh starts that are specifically tied to those inner desires he gave you as a child or maybe even before you were born. And so our story is really about what it means to to discover what those heart desires are, to commit our ways to the Lord, and to, to have him fulfill those desires. Now, along the way, we've learned this, that, that God's plan, his invitations, never lead to boredom. In fact, if you're bored in life, it's almost for sure that you're not walking with God the way he wants you to. Because when you, when you nix God's plan for your own plan, you'll either get bored or panicked. Because you're doing stuff that was not a part of God's plan for your life. Okay? Never boredom. In fact, you're going to find three things in life. We have. And that is that there's always a risk involved. As we said earlier, Monica married me because I was stable. She just thought that this, there would be little or no risk with this, you know, sort of steady Eddie kind of guy. Um, in the 43 years of marriage, how many times have we moved? Oh, 28, 20 something. A few times. Okay. None of them, right. my idea. Right? Uh, God has invited us to three major restarts. He took us from Iowa to Portland, and that's where we're going to focus most of our attention on those stories today. After 17 years in Portland, by the way, true story, when we got ready to leave Iowa and move to Portland, Oregon, my mom said to me, son, there's one thing I can take comfort in. You will never move further west. <laughs> Seventeen years later, God called us to Honolulu, thirty-five hundred miles further west. And they were speechless. <laughs> yes, six years after that, God invited us to come to Petaluma and do something we didn't know anything about in a town we didn't know anything about, and in a town where we didn't know a single person. And yet, we've fallen in love with Petaluma. We have we have fallen in love with the people of this community, and it's just been an amazing journey of learning to commit our ways fully to the Lord because the truth was when Monica and I were both very, very young, even preteen or early teen years, we read about this church in the Bible and our heart's desire was, God, I want to be part of that kind of church. And it's so fun here to be part of that kind of church. And so that's a little bit of the adventure that we're going to take you on. Monica will do most of the storytelling today. And uh, so she's going to go back to 
the, the first story when uh, we were both living in Iowa and we were Jake's age, okay? So if you can imagine, I know that's going to use your imagination, but we were actually Jake's age at one time. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> There's a cute little story before I start our story, and that was uh, for a while we, um, well, we do live on the same property as Lisa and Eris, Paul Georges. That's our middle daughter. And um, we've had the privilege from, for being with the kids since they were two. And it was so cute. In kids' life, one of the verses that cycles every year is, do not be afraid, the Lord your God will be with you. And Theo came running home when he was five and said to Poppy, you want to hear my verse? And he was so proud because we'd make such a big deal about them knowing it. And um, so he said this verse to Ron. And it wasn't, oh, three days. It was in that week. And uh, we happened to be down with Lisa and Arison, and uh, their house is long, and it has a long hallway that goes upstairs to the bedrooms, and his mom sent him up to get something, and there were no lights, and he knew where the light switches were, <clears throat> but it was dark to get to the light switch, and Ron was standing at the end of the hall, happened to see him down there, and heard his little tiny voice going, I will not be afraid, the Lord is with me, the little is- and the chanting, the Lord, I will not be afraid, the Lord is with me. And he did it all the way till he got the light switch. <laughs> then he didn't have to trust in God anymore. Yeah, he had the a light. On. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh, but hello, we do this. And that's what this will be about. It is every time you get to that scary spot, you go, okay, I, chant those verses. I mean, seriously. And then he shows up and you think, oh, how silly of me, how silly. So our story, the big part of our story that we want to share with you is when we were 23, and um, Ron had been working at UPS most of his college education, and he was done and on full time um, with UPS because we had no basic direction or any idea where we were going. We just knew in our heart, our little young brains, what we'd like to do. But we didn't have any idea of where in the sphere of it or anything. Well, we, we knew that we were going into ministry. We did know yeah. that. We oh, just yeah. didn't know where. No, we had nothing. No right. invitations, no anything. And so um, he was making a really nice salary at, at UPS. And uh, we had a 14-month-old Anthony. And um, I was finishing school. And because we dreamed big for God, we kind of wondered, because he was starting to get invitations to management of UPS and moving to another place to take over management. And we thought, oh, you know, I like the money. I thought, that this is cool, great insurance benefits. Maybe we'll do UPS and do a church on the side. Maybe this is where he's going to go. And about in the midstream of that little thought process, Ron got a phone call from a young pastor that he had heard of but didn't know, excuse me, didn't know, from Portland, Oregon, and uh, he wanted Ron to know that there was a church in town that needed a leader, and Ron had come from really with really good credentials. Would we pray about it? Would we consider it? Um, I know Ron asked a lot of questions, but there was nothing going to prepare us for when we got on the ground. But you know, we were young. Um, Ron, had, I didn't know anybody in Portland, but Ron's grandparents were in Portland. He went there every year. He dreamt of Portland. He loved Portland. So it's kind of easy to say yes, but we did decide to put out just a test on God to see if that was really true. And um, we did put that test. And 
we had learned through seminary in our childhood that <clears throat> don't ever allow your fears to rob you of some joy that God really wants to give you. I mean, if you get a call or an opportunity, you know, let me back up. When we got the call to come to Petaluma and start a church, I was on the outside of the phone. He's on the inside phone, and I hear him saying, no, I don't think I'd be interested. I, no, uh-uh. No, I, I don't think so. And said goodbye to that guy, and I said, did you just say no to something? And he goes, yeah, they want to know if we'll come to Northern California and start a church. And I said, I think I heard you say no. And he goes, we, we don't know how to do that. We, we don't know what we're doing. And he said, I said, seriously, without praying about it? And he just stopped cold in his tracks. <laughs> now, now you know who the real spiritual giant in the home is, right? <laughs> well, we take turns, let me tell you. <laughs> but but we decided to put a kind of a fleece. Those of you who know the Old Testament and, and the story of um, Gideon. Uh, Gideon. And he put out a fleece to see. He didn't trust God and he put out another fleece and it still turned out. Well, we did that. We did have the wisdom enough to do that. Because we knew Second Timothy, and I want to share with you, 1-7. God has not given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So either you live in faith that God will always be with you, or you live in this, this fear-based world. And God says, that is not my world. My world is knowing. You can be confident. You can have power. You can live joyfully if you stay inside of what I have for you. So guess what? We did receive a very song, very solid answer to our sign. So what we did was sold our brand new car. We bought a box truck, is what they're called, right? That's true. <laughs> we got rid of almost all of our belongings, and we landed in Portland at a relative's house on a hide-a-bed for three months looking for an apartment that we couldn't afford. We had not looked into and did not know enough about where we were going. Because we had left rural Iowa for a culture and a people that we knew absolutely nothing about. We were in an inner city church, 80% African American people. We left stable, secure salary for a wage that turned out to be beneath poverty level in the Portland area. We were so young, we didn't even think about the fact that the church had taken a risk on a white naive, too young pastor. But you know what? That's kind of sometimes the way God works. He doesn't let you go to the kiddie pool first. He can just throw you into the deep end. So, there we were in Portland, Oregon, with a brand new fresh start. And uh, we were there 17 years. And that's sort of the risk side that was God calling us out of our comfort zone and into what was his comfort zone, although it might not have been that comfortable for us. Because if you know anything about culture shock, when you move from rural Iowa to the inner city of a major city, and you move from a culture where you rarely saw anyone of any color, right? to the inner city of Portland, Oregon, where 80%, not only of the church, but the community where we, we lived, 80% African-American. Many times I went to functions and I was the only white person 
in the whole place. And that was a huge transition, but so very, very good for us. Those were risks that were well worth taking. But there's also an adventure, those unpredictable experiences. And those are the ones we struggle with because it feels like that, that we're not in control. And one of the bigger adventures we went on was not one we would have chosen, but it was nevertheless part of God's great plan for our life. And Monica will tell you about that. It was um, our seventh year of um, Portland, and we had, <clears throat> had a really wonderful success on that inner city church. It, it, um, it was just probably still one of my highlight churches to be in. And um, some, did some amazing things that were outside the box to survive and reach the community. But God was already working in Ron's heart, creating a little bit of uneasiness and an unsettledness. And um, he could tell that God was getting ready to do something with him. And we got an invitation to go to a larger church there in Portland. And um, Ron looked at it. We prayed. We put a fleece out again. And God said, go. So we said goodbye to the little church and went over. And um, it wasn't really long before we could really see that boy, was that a big step that God needed Ron to make because it was a place that gave him so many opportunities to learn different levels of leadership and staffing. And it was, it was, couldn't have done what we did here without having that experience. But this adventure started when the children were um, eight, six, and four. I had already begun teaching school, classroom teaching, and Ron was thriving in his new position. One of the greatest adventures started at Christmas time, believe it or not. We had traveled to Colorado for grandparent and adult relaxation. We'd had to traverse through blizzards all the way and had some car trouble in the middle of Wyoming. We By would... the way, just a little context. When we got to Denver, the wind chill factor was 80 below zero. And no exaggeration, no. 80 below zero. Uh, yeah. It was cold. Yeah, they ran out of those little um, tools that you put, plug in and it warms up, keeps your engine warm. Oh, we had a diesel car and the glow plugs went out. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was constantly I was out spraying problem. ether. Yeah, never mind. It's not something okay. you want to do. It, that can be dangerous. All right. Now anyway. we've gone to board. Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> little did we know that, and this lasted the full two weeks, little did we know that Portland was having some of its worst weather in history also. Four days before we were supposed to leave to head back home, we got a call from a friend who was watching our house and said we needed to come home immediately. The house was flooded. He didn't have any more details. That was a miserable trip going back. We packed up the kids quickly, got them in the car, faced the same blizzards going across the, the mountain states. We arrived in Portland to find the whole town was frozen. The transformer had blown eight days before we got there, which made it two days after we left. And it had, of course, there's no furnace, so the top third floor toilet froze, then burst open and was running. There was water dripping out of every possible place in the, in the ceilings and a complete waterfall going down the staircase. Yeah, that's not a good sign when you have a cascade down your house. <laughs> No, and everything in it was black and damp. and it, I mean, it, it was a surreal thing to walk in on. That's kind of when the fun began. 
There was insurance calls, a motel to find, the largest dumpster we could get, possessions dragged out to it and itemized. The, the house was completely being torn up. And yet we had school to teach, sermons to build, people to help, and children to comfort. New house decisions I didn't even want to make and didn't feel like I mentally could. Clothes to buy, toys to choose, lunches to make, tears to flow, stiffer up and lip, and smiling, saying, I'm fine. It's the most unreal, realistic time I've ever lived through. It was unbelievable. The motel was two, um, two rooms with a little um, efficiency kitchen. Have you ever heard of those? That's code for not really a That's kitchen. That's really weird, one of those That's English That's what words. that is. <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny refrigerator, one little burner, and a little tiny sink, and then a little bit of counter space, and five of us. <clears throat> Inside that motel, we were there three months total, we had been there three weeks, and all three kids got the chicken pox. Ron went on a two-week speaking engagement in Louisiana. I don't see anything wrong with that, do you? You guys are so smart, we don't even have to tell you that part of the story. I went to get him off the airplane, and he walked out of the airplane like this. He was completely a noodle. And he had hurt his back. He was playing basketball with the teenagers at, in, down there at the place. And I was the back. youth guy. <laughs> oh, my word, which took him a month to get over that. You know, those were times when even the best of us go, why God? And where are you, God? Talk about Ron saying we, we like to be in control. We don't like the unexpected adventures. But it's sometimes you can even look at some of your adventures and say, where is God? I mean, I felt so out of touch with him because there was too much going on that I felt like he'd gone to China and said, you know, you'll be okay. You'll do okay on your own. When I just wanted somebody to hug me and tell me this was going to be okay. And you know what? It's, it's interesting that there are sometimes people think that because you're a pastor, a pastor's family, there's some kind of special connection with God. And we don't have any pastor privileges. There is none in it. Sometimes I think we get to experience more because it's important for us to understand how other people feel. And I really did feel that when Ron broke his neck in Hawaii. That was kind of one of the last big straws. I thought, shoot, I can really empathize now with people who, you know, your mate, you don't know, are they going to live? especially after the doctor had told him that he was surprised he was alive. You know, is he going to be in a wheelchair? I don't have any friends. We've only been here three months. I mean, this whole thing started over again. And, you know, you just have to realize that the, I heard one time that the foot of the cross, the land is level. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> the dirt is level at the foot of the cross. We're all on the same thing with Jesus. It's, it doesn't matter our station in life, our age in life. We will be very human and we will feel very vulnerable and very frightened. But it's what we do with those feelings and who we turn to with those feelings that makes all the difference in the world. Because God does at times allow those things to happen so that we get to feel 
a larger portion of his power. And you have to remember, so is the prince of darkness. The devil's only job really is to discourage, create fear, get us to quit. Those are feelings that he brings into our life to oppose his hate of God. And we have to each day choose who we are going to lean toward. And in these big times, you have to lean on, completely lean on those times. <clears throat> you know, the reward part that Ron spoke about was so evident in this particular setting. <clears throat> we got a new house out of it. We had a healed family. We had could check chickenpox off our list. <laughs> new clothes, new toys and furniture. There was a lot of a lot of interesting interchange with people who watched us go through this. That was so important. We saw that early on. Our response to what God was doing in our life was going to be huge for other people. The testimony was life-changing for other people. The insurance company surprised us with a $30,000 bonus over and, above everything, over and above everything that they replaced, <coughs> which we were able to take straight over and put in the new building fund that was happening where we were at. <coughs> it worked out exactly the way God said it would. All things work together for good to those who love and follow the Lord. Our faith grew 100% through that one event. And liken us to a tree. Psalms says that we are like a tree that's sitting by the water, <clears throat> being a word picture for God. It is true. If we stay surface Christians, it doesn't take much to take us out. But it's when things like this can happen to you and you decide to really wrestle it out with God. Those roots grow deep. And can I tell you, those roots really grew deep. There was one Sunday that I couldn't do it anymore. I could not go to church. So I stayed home. The kids and Ron went. And I turned on the TV and there was some, a, a minister speaking on the life of Moses. And it just touched my life in just the way it needed to be. God times that sermon for me. Because, you know, Moses was sure he was doing the right thing. Accidentally killed a man, ran for his life, met God out in a spooky burning bush. And then, do you know how long he was out there? 40 years. Nothing else is really recorded that God interacted with him. I realized, ooh, I couldn't. Wow, my faith needed to grow a lot deeper to be able to withstand that. Just not feeling a void of hearing from God that my faith needed to last for 40 years. There's so many cases in the Bible. I, I don't know how they did it. And I realized how much I needed to grow, and I know that Ron, Ron would tell you the same thing. <clears throat> we found the struggles are part of every adventure, and we decided not to let them derail us. 1 Corinthians 15 58, be strong and unmovable, always working enthusiastically in the Lord. For you know that nothing you do in the Lord is ever useless. And you know, successful business people say that failures are opportunities, really. It's how you look at them. And I have to say that trials in life give God a chance to show his power, 
and his presence, and he endears himself to us. God is seriously always good and good all the time. We started with passage lamentations that says, God's faithfulness is great. And I can tell you that the overwhelming message that Monica and I would want you to get today is that God's faithfulness is great. And he's inviting you and inviting us to fresh starts. Where are we today? Well, six months ago, we made Kevin the lead pastor of our church. And so Monica and I are on a brand new fresh start. I'm learning how to be um, a teaching and mentoring pastor. Uh, I'm learning how to step into a whole new chapter in life. And, and I sat down with, with four really good friends the other day, individually, but they're all guys that are within a few years of being 60. And we talked about the fact that from 60 to 80 is two decades. And that potentially those two decades could be the most productive in our lives. Because we've never had more life experience than we have now. We've never had more experience walking with Christ than we have now. We've never had fewer day-to-day family responsibilities than we have now. We've never had as much time available to us as we're going to have now. And we all agreed that two decades from now, when we look back at these two decades, we want to say, man, was that a rock. Because it's that invitation to a fresh start. Now, as we put a bow on this, I want to ask you a question. What invitation is God giving you today? For some of us, if we've never made the decision to become a Christian, that's where partnering with God begins. Saying, I'm going to become a follower of Christ. I'm going to get my sins forgiven because Christ died on the cross for me, and I'm going to begin this wonderful journey with God. I want to encourage you, if you haven't made that decision, make it today. There's a place on your Connect card. Check, becoming a Christian, I'll get in touch with you this week. We'll make sure that you get started well. For some of us, there's an area in our life that's currently an area of defeat, but God sits right beside you this morning saying, Would you trust me with that area? And would you give me the opportunity to invite you to a fresh start in that area? Because I want to bring victory where there's now defeat. And for some of us, there's a project. Maybe some new area of ministry. Maybe some new venture that God wants to bring into our lives. And we already know what it is. He's already stirred it in us. And God is saying to you today, Hey, launch out with me. Take the risk. Sign up for the adventure because the rewards are great. You do your business. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have a plan for every one of our lives. And for those of us this morning who should be making the decision to become a Christian, God, would you just speak into their lives right now? Would you help us to hear and would you help us to respond? For those of us who are struggling with an area of defeat in our lives. We already know what it is. God, would you help us to hear your invitation this morning to a fresh start so that your redemptive power could turn that thing around in our lives. And for those of us that you have prepared to launch into some new adventure, God, would you help us to hear your voice and to sign up and say, I'm in. I'm delighting myself in the Lord and I know he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And God, we pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.